What up? Welcome in. You're listening to another edition of the Sports Cafe. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, joined alongside the usual cast of characters. A little bit of a hiatus here. I think we've gone, what, five weeks, guys, since the last podcast? About that. I think so. I I couldn't remember the name of the show, so it's been a while. (laughs) New year, new name? No. We're sticking with this one, I think. Life and work getting in the way of things. Q4, always busy, but um, glad to be back for... uh, New Year's week show, I guess. Happy New Year to all of our uh, faithful listeners out there. Um, had we love to jump you guys. On, ha- had to jump on the pod, right? We got the uh, week 18 of the NFL season coming up, and I think we're all excited about that, even though only one of us has a horse in the race. But a um, lot to talk to today, so we'll jump right into it. Um, wanted to talk about what I think is one of the more bizarre uh, storylines that we've seen in, in quite some time, and that's Antonio Brown. Um, I think we all know he's kind of been a polarizing figure over the years, and he's been given many, many, many uh, chances to redeem himself. But I think what happened in the game versus the Jets may have been uh, his last straw in the NFL. Of course, he, uh, well, there's disputes about what happened. He uh, supposedly injured. He um, said he, you know, he wasn't healthy enough to play. Coach Arians had a different account of what happened. Bottom line, Antonio Brown quits on his team, takes his shirt off, uh, kind of tries to rile up the crowd, and out of the stadium he goes. Um, so, Ian, I'll start with you. What were your kind of thoughts on the Brown situation, um, you know, and, and where where does he go from here? I know there's now, um, you know, he's posted some text messages today about interaction with the coach, but what were your, what was your takeaway from that? Well, I mean, the whole thing was a circus. That's what it boils down to. And probably it happened to the least surprising guy. You know, if you were going to say who's running off the field while his team is running a play, probably one of your first guests would be Antonio Brown. So this is obviously not uh, like a first uh, first time offense and and probably far from the worst thing he's done in his life. Um, But, you know, he's gotten so many chances over the years and yesterday released uh, a very rambly lengthy statement where you know he made some pretty uh drastic accusations and i guess the the text messages that he put out or alleged text messages i don't know if you can you know claim their fact that he's putting them out on his uh on his twitter but um you know it, it seems like it opens maybe opens up a larger discussion about injuries and and you know who has the ultimate say of who's playing who's sitting um But at the end of the day, I think he was totally wrong in this situation. If the coach benches you, that's one thing. You have to sit on the bench. You don't, you know, worst case, you leave at halftime or the end of the quarter. You don't just take off your jersey and get up and leave and walk off the field during, you know, during play. I I think it's just really uh, embarrasses the organization, his teammates, who he claims to have lots of respect for in all his comments. I think it's a very disrespectful act to do something like that. But, um, you know. If, if I were a team, I would not bring in Antonio Brown, but it's easier said than done because there's only he's still a talented receiver. So um, he definitely has a lot of character issues. But, uh, you know, to me, if a team like the the Bucks, it's a no brainer. You're already a playoff team. You're a, a championship contender, d- defending champion. I mean, they don't need that distraction. They have enough, hopefully for their sake, enough other weapons. But even if not, I mean, they already have Tom Brady and that's saying enough. So I think it's a pretty easy decision for them to cut him. I don't know exactly why they waited until today to make that official um and i know we can also talk about kind of 
what exactly happened with the incentives and you know how close he was to getting some of those and and all that piece of the story but i think it's kind of a it's overall a pretty black mark on uh you know an exciting week of football yeah what i don't understand is you know he sends out these or he, he posts these text messages that are supposedly meant to prove you know he he was right and for example he posts a, a text message exchange with alex guerrero who is tom brady's trainer which didn't make Guerrero look bad in any way, right? It was it was a message, you know, Antonio Brown said, hey, you're not working with me. I'd like a, a partial refund. And very politely, Guerrero responds, okay, sure. You know, you're a great guy. You know, enjoyed working with you. And so it's just very bizarre for, for him to kind of, you know, release these messages and they don't really show anything. So I think that, you know, when I first when it first came out that Brown was claiming, oh, I was injured and he was forcing me to play, I thought, maybe there's something to it but then you see the messages and it, it seems like it's it's nothing so um yeah to me it's it's uh you know it's it's a disgrace what happened and even if what he said is right and he was injured and uh coach arians forced him to go in or he was going to cut him and and literally said to him on the sideline you're cut um there's just no excuse for for what he did and how he left the field and just to- total clown show um, which I know is a, a term that's been used to describe your Giants, Ian. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but uh, my, he would man, fit in well on the Giants. I mean, it happened at MetLife Stadium, so but, uh, so far. Uh, Mandel, you know, a lot of people compare um, Antonio Brown, uh, Antonio Brown to Terrell Owens, who um, absolutely hates that comparison. Anytime people compare To to, to Brown, To gets very defensive about that. But do you see some similarities there? And What's what's your take on just like, you know, these diva wide receivers and and you know, do you think he maybe deserves another chance or is this the last draw for him? So I, I think you guys both used some good words to describe the situation: circus, bizarre clown show. I think that's all accurate. Um, we're still getting a lot of the facts. Obviously, that there's still a lot more that is yet to come out. Um, you'll probably find more texts, more other accounts from people he's talked to. Um, I. I you know, I, I think over, and we also don't even know. Like at first, he's saying that at first we thought it was that he wanted to play, and coach wouldn't let him, so that he could break his, uh, he could get to the numbers he needs to get the incentive pay. Then, then we're saying no, he didn't want to play, and coach made him, even though he was like partly injured. So there's still a lot to find out. But here's what I'll say for for Antonio Brown. Like I, I do empathize with him. He probably has a almost certainly has a mental health condition. I think it's something that hasn't been taken. Um, all that seriously in sports until recently, and even now, um, you still don't hear a lot about it, especially when we're talking about black football players who have high expectations hoisted upon them. Um, a lot of times there just isn't the room or the time for, for mental health to, to be addressed. Um, but, but, you know, having said that, I, I think that's all the more reason for him to not be playing football. He clearly is not in a mental state where he should be playing football. Um, he showed that he couldn't show up for his team, a team who had really gone out on a limb to give him that chance. Um, I think he was out of football for almost a full year when um, Tom Brady had convinced the organization to bring him in. Um, I think he had like one or two games with him on the Patriots beforehand, and, and he still felt the compelled to, to bring A.B. Into the, into the squad. They win a Super Bowl together. Um, you know, then this season... He uh, he fakes his COVID vaccine card, um, gets suspended, 
Bucks still let him back. They still want him to be a part of their squad. Um, he showed that he is not mentally ready to do so. So, you know, I, I hope he gets the help that he needs. Um, he clearly is not ready to return to football anytime soon. I'm not going to say he's never going to return because you're always going to have desperate teams. And a guy with his level of talent sitting out there, it could always be an option um, for a team going forward. Somebody who's either struggling or who's close to getting to the playoffs needs an extra push. They might take a chance on him. Um, but he certainly is going to be out of football for the foreseeable future. As far as his comparisons to T.O., I, I, I feel like half of it is accurate. The fact that they're both, you know, they both have mental issues to work out. You can call them both head cases. Um, it seems like T.O.'s issue was more around specific players um, or, or specific general managers. He didn't get the money he wanted. He wasn't getting the the um, the pass usage he wanted from Donovan McNabb. Uh, it seems like A.B., it's like no matter what situation you put him in, he's unhappy. Whereas, like, with T.O., you know, th there were situations where he really enjoyed himself and, and, and was good. Um, so I, I could also understand why he doesn't like the comparison because it, it's hard if you're having a mental health issue to um, to actually own up to it. He sees it with Antonio Brown. He doesn't see it within himself. He doesn't want to have that comparison made. Um, so I, I, I could see why he's frustrated about it. But there there is some merit there. Yeah, I, the, the mental health stuff is a good point, but I also think it's possible to have mental health issues and also be a selfish jerk. <laughs> I think he's probably got a little bit of, of both. You know, the va the fake vaccine card, for example, is not a mental health issue. That's a, a calculated decision to, to, to do that. Um, but I, I disagree with you about him getting another chance here. I, to me, I, I would be stunned to see another team ever take a flyer on him. I think that a team that's going to bring in Antonio Brown is a team that is Yes, on the cusp of a championship, looking for that last piece. And to me, I mean, if you can't make it work with Tom Brady, who went out on a limb for this guy, I don't know who else in the league is going to be able to put up with that. I think, and I agree with T.O. in that I don't think T.O. was as cancerous or toxic as, as um, Antonio Brown has been. But everywhere yeah. A.B. has gone, he's quit on his team. Um and to me, this is kind of the last straw. And, and also, just real quickly about his incentives, which which um, I know he was like a couple catches short of whatever, an extra million dollars. But he actually was in the same situation last year. I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, last game of the season, you know, he was a, a few catches short, and Tom Brady threw him three, you know, out routes at the end of the game in garbage time to get him what he needed. So yeah, if that I... was on his mind. I mean, I, I'm sure Brady would have taken care of him. I remember yeah. that, and I'm still here. Don't worry, listeners. I know I've been quiet so far, but um, I think that hey, uh, Mike, real quick, uh, quick uh, White Sox uh, mention or anything, or <laughs> or Bears? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. I mean, uh, we're on AB right. I know now. I, we we skipped over the intros this week, so I, I figured it's I'd, fine. The, the White Sox are getting a lot of attention because <laughs> of Jimmy Fallon. That that I don't know if you guys I did saw see that. I did the look-alike fan, but anyway, so um. I want to take a different tack a little bit because I think we all agree that what he did during the game, taking his shirt off, going in the end zone while the game was being played was uncalled for, unprofessional, and clearly shows that there's something going on that is not right. And I hope that AB gets the help 
he clearly needs. And, and as you mentioned, Adam, he's done some other questionable things. The fake vaccine card, there's no excuse for that. That's just a very selfish thing to do. But I kind of am, I don't want to say concerned, but a little bit bothered by the extent of the backlash that happened with this because you see guys that do plenty of worse things than take their shirt off and obviously act unprofessional, but take their shirt off in the middle of the game. That's what he did. He walked off the field. You see guys that have been charged with domestic abuse, for example, or have been in situations where it's happened that, that someone has gotten killed uh, for, for negligence or manslaughter. And, under the law you you get off with you know you can get a fine or different penalties that aren't jail time because there wasn't intent but i think that taking your shirt off is something that pales in comparison to a lot of things that other players have done that they've continued to play afterward i won't name names but we know who i'm talking about when i say players that have been charged with domestic abuse that okay they may sit out for a little bit but then they come back so i think that right but we're we're talking about on on field action to say he's never gonna play again for something like this i know it's embarrassing but if he has you're you're treating it you're treating it as he hasn't had anything in his history if this was literally the first time he's done anything potentially wrong his first piece of uh, controversy that would be different it's not. It's far from it. Well, here's well, the question: I, What's what? What type of team would take a chance on Antonio Brown at this point? What type, what what quarterback do you think would say, "Hey, that's my guy"? I, if Tom Brady can't deal with him, but I can, but I can deal with him. Who who's out there that's going to say that? Well, I don't think it's the a, mental health help he needs. I think it's possible. Right, right. I, I don't think it's an issue of Brady can't deal with him. I think this is clearly an issue of he was going through something at the time this happened, whether he was hurt or whether something else was going on. There is a past. I do agree with you. My point was not so much that he has a history or, you know, the thing that he did now isn't embarrassing. It's that when you say he's not going to play again or who will pick him up, the NFL, if you have talent, is an extremely forgiving place. If you have talent. It's tough for everybody else. But A.B. at one point was the best receiver in the league, and he did have a few games this year where he he was great. Um, so I think to answer your question, Adam, a team that would take him, my guess would be like a team that has a veteran quarterback next year that is, if, if he doesn't start with a team that, that loses a receiver early to injury, that sees itself as a playoff contender, and that could use... Uh, Antonio Brown that has something left in the tank because you see it over and over again with Josh Gordon how many I know that it's different but he was basically suspended what like four or five times for the same thing and obviously to me there's a difference between that and actually quitting on your team and he three teams he's quit on and that's a bad and you can't trust somebody like that so refresh my memory because I obviously remember what he did this most recent time, but when you say three teams, he's quit on. So the Steelers, uh, it got very 
sour at the end. I think he he stopped showing up to practices, and it got to the point where Tomlin benched him in mm-hmm. the last game of the season. And then there was the stuff with the Raiders and training camp where he refused to play because the NFL uh, he the NFL wouldn't approve his helmet, and so he basically wasn't showing up to practice. Like all this stuff, all this nonsense. Bottom line is he was not out there on the field with his team for whatever selfish personal reasons he had. And so you can't trust a guy like that. So to me, even if my team was, and it's hard for me to relate because the Jets haven't been made the playoffs in 12 years, but um, if my team was like, if our, if our receiver went down, I don't know that I would trust a guy like that to, to come in and, and write the ship. I just think there's there's too much well, risk there. Let me tell you this. Next year, Adam, if Antonio Brown is a free agent and he's working out, and he'll be public about it that if he wants to come back. And the Jets, miraculously, Zach Wilson is a huge year, and they're in playoff contention, and they're looking for another receiver because nope. Jamison Crowder and Braxton nope. Brios, with all due respect, are not cutting it. If they're in playoff contention, then they don't need him. I'm telling you, I, I want no part of him. Mm-hmm. I think the other yeah. thing, too, is I know he's had a couple of good weeks this year of the limited time he's played but he's also 33 years old he's you know for a receiver right. that's getting up there older. he's not 26 yeah. anymore let's clarify 33 is old for an nfl receiver, for a receiver. Not for I, said it. <laughs> I said it i mean okay you know, we're getting up uh, there adam to be, I, I don't, you know. see to me like the, the big thing is like i mean tom brady will be fine i don't know if they win the super bowl but he he's bailed on them in week 17 of the season like you you can't trust a guy who, who's gonna do that um you know, there's no saying when the next thing will happen for the next team. So, I don't know. I think if there's one takeaway from this whole thing, it's it's how remarkable a coach Mike Tomlin is that he was able to put up with Antonio Brown. I'm sure there's, I'm sure he's got a million stories of stuff that never got out to the media. But that's kind of my my final thought on that. So, Probably. speaking of AB's old team, I did want to transition quickly to. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know if you guys got to watch much of the game, Monday Night Football, his uh, most likely uh, last uh, game at Heinz Field. Uh, kind of got a, a nice send-off there um, you know, with, with a win over the, uh, the rival Browns. And Ian, I'll, I'll start with you since Roethlisberger is the last of that big three quarterback trio uh, with, with Roethlisberger, Manning, Eli Manning, and, uh, and Phillip Rivers. What do you think... Big Ben's legacy is going to be. How will you remember him most? Is it the, you know, as a two-time Super Bowl champ? Is it uh, as a guy who came up short in the playoffs? Is it the sexual assault uh, allegations? You know, how will you remember him? Well, I think what's most impressive from a positive standpoint is how many years he's played and outlasted his uh, his colleagues who were drafted in the same class by what, two, three, four years. Um, and, and playing his whole career with the same organization. It's so rare to see in any sport. So I think those are kind of the, the positives. And, of course, the kind of connection he has with the fan base in, in uh, Pittsburgh. And I think winning the two Super Bowls, there's not that many quarterbacks have done it. But with all that good stuff said, there is all the kind of the sexual assault allegations and kind of the off-the-field issues he's had over the years that, for me, you can't just ignore. It's also part of his legacy. So... You know, it's I'm not uh, not like I do this with any probably non-Giants quarterback, but I'm not like giving him a standing ovation on his final game. But it was, you know, to me, intriguing to watch. And he's definitely a shell of himself and he has been for a few years. But he's still just because of the NFL today. I feel like there's not that many great quarterbacks. So 
he's able to throw the short ball and, you know, get those completions, even if they're for five yard uh, out routes. Um, so, you know, he doesn't embarrass himself and, and he kind of had a, in a sense, a perfect send off. And in some ways it reminded me of Jeter because Jeter played his full season with the Yankees, obviously a lot more successful than Roethlisberger, but also that final never finishing under 500, almost every game of his career being in contention. And also that last year was the one that, uh, you know, he didn't make the playoffs or almost definitely will not make the playoffs in the Steelers case, but also kind of having that in a sense, fairy book and fairy tale ending where he did get to step on the field one more time. And, uh, you know, after that late interception, take the final knee to end the game. And, you know, his fa- his family came out, he did a lap around the field. So, you know, it's, it's a nice story to see, but I think he definitely has a, a mixed legacy when you go back and really analyze his full career. I think what's what's amazing to me is in recent years, you've seen some of these guys who have been in the league forever retire, guys like Roethlisberger and Rivers. And to think that Tom Brady started before all these guys and he's still going and he's still performing at an elite level, uh, it just kind of shows just how incredible what, what Brady's doing. But um, yeah, I mean, look, Ben Roethlisberger got off to like a historic start, right? I think he was like 15 and one his rookie season. Um he, he did win those two Super Bowls pretty early on in his career, so I think there was a lot of disappointment later on as far as, you know, getting out of the AFC. I mean, he had to deal with Brady and, and Manning all those years. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Big, Big Ben is uh, is an all-time great. He's a, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, thought it was a, a really nice send-off they got. It's kind of an awkward situation because, in one sense, it felt like his last game. But on the other hand, like, the Steelers – albeit a small chance, still have a chance to make the playoffs. So you never really know what, what can happen from there. But um... One of the things that struck me is that the Steelers, I read the stat, they were never under 500 with him as their quarterback. Yep. And Adam and now Ian, you're seeing this to an extent, but Adam and I both have had long stretches of time where we have had the antithesis of consistency at quarterback. And I think that is his legacy in terms of on-field accomplishment, that the guy, no matter what happened to him, how hurt he was, he always showed up to play, and he was a winner. That to go 18 years without ever being under 500 in the national football league is it's 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 a huge accomplishment i don't know how else to put it the the word is not coming to me other than consistency and hall of fame worthy because day in and day out that shows that you you didn't take a game off essentially that that you led your team basically to the playoffs almost every year. He's won two Super Bowls. Um, and obviously, I know I was just talking about off-the-field stuff with Antonio Brown. There's always that question, and that's a separate conversation because, you know, who knows what happened. But if if what happened happened, that's completely inexcusable. But on-field, he was, if not one of obviously Brady is the best in this generation, but he's right up there in terms of his accomplishments with yeah, Super the, Bowls and consistency. Yeah, the the durability, um, without a question, is is a huge plus for Big Ben. I mean, think about 
some of these guys, you know, who have replaced greats that just can't stay healthy. Look at a Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, who the Patriots were very high on. They tried to keep him as long as they could, but Brady, you know, would never, <laughs> would never, um, you know, leave. Um, you know, had a lot of promise, but guy just can't stay healthy. Look at look at Daniel Jones, you know, the guy who had to replace Eli Manning, who we're not really sure whether he's good or not because he can never stay on the field. And Big Ben has been, as you mentioned, Mike, very consistent, but he stayed healthy. And this is not a guy who, you know, never gets hit. I mean, Big Ben has taken a beating over the years. And the fact that, like you said, he's been able to show up pretty much every Sunday, um, you know, is, is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, for, from a football standpoint, the, the, there's no doubt he, he's done a lot for the city of Pittsburgh, right? He, uh, he, he talked about his hot 15 and one start for his rookie season. I think that's when he took he took over earlier than expected for the injured. Uh, I think it was Tommy Maddox way back in the day, um, and, and since then it, it, the rest is history. Um, it's it, as Mike mentioned, he kept this team competitive every single season. Um, you know, winning, winning two Super Bowls on its own is no small feat either. Um, he's at, you know, both quite early in his career, but even every year after that, he still kept his team competitive. He still kept the fans excited. There was always that chance that they can compete for another one. Um, and the fact that he stayed with the same team for such a long time, and, and you know, across all sports, football included, you, you simply don't see that with a lot of players. Um, like, besides... Brady himself, I, I can't think off the top of my head of who has stayed with their team for a longer career um, than, uh, than Roethlisberger. Um, as Ian said, you, you can't ignore the off-the-field stuff. I think that's always going to tarnish him from a personal standpoint, right? Like, he might not necessarily be the best guy out there. Um, seems like he's a good father. I know he got to celebrate um, with, with his kids on the field. With his yeah. family. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was Great photo. Great photo of him walking into the tunnel. Yeah. And he went out in, in style, right? He, he won the game. He didn't have a great game either, right? I think he was like 50% completion. Um, his passer rating was like, I think, somewhere in the 50s. But he, he won. That's what mattered. And even if they make the playoffs, this is still almost certainly his last home game because he'd be a pretty low wild card in the playoffs. Um, so he went out the way he wanted to. Um, it, there's no doubt it's been, he said, a... A great and storied career for him. He'll be in the Hall of Fame, probably his first year eligibility. All right. So, uh, and this is another good segue here. I'm kind of on a roll here. So, speaking of uh, quarterbacks that Big Ben has faced in the Super Bowl, uh, big big wow. story. <laughs> big story around Aaron Rodgers. So, a report came out recently. There was a writer. Uh, who's got an all-time name. His name is Hub Arkish. Yeah, Hub Arkish. He's great. He's in the Chicago market. He's okay. the Bears reporter for 670 The Score. Shout out to 670 The Score. Well, you may think he's a great writer, but a lot of people are, are not happy with uh, what he had to say. Yeah, he said some bad stuff. That he, he, he apologized uh, this afternoon. Oh, did he? He did. But okay. yeah, go ahead. Well, basically, he... Um, uh, will not vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP. And uh, supposedly it's because of his vaccination status or the fact that he's maybe not the most likable guy. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this. A, you know, who do you think is the MVP favorite? And B, um, is it fair for writers to factor in personality traits when talking about MVP? We see a lot of this with the Baseball Hall of Fame where it's it's basically turned into kind of a... Uh, Half of, half of the qualification is whether or not you're well-liked and you're 
high character guy. Um, but do you guys feel that those same standards should apply to the MVP race? And, and Mike, since uh, Hub Arkish is your boy, um, you know, maybe you can touch on it first. I like that you said his name is great because I never really thought of it that way because he's been the constant. His name presence. is Hub. Hub Arkish. Yes. Um, that, Hub. That's, that's got to be a nickname, by the way. It, right? I it mean... probably is. Um, but basically, I think that. I, I heard what I, I read what he said and that he said he was a bad guy and a jerk and etc. I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely the MVP this year. With all due respect to Jonathan Taylor, um, I think that Rodgers, you look at the conversation in Green Bay before the season and people were like, what's going to happen? Is he going to play? The Packers are in disarray. Jordan Love could be the start of the, the, the guy who starts. And then Rodgers comes in, and the Packers are the Packers. And you look at the supporting cast that Rodgers had in terms of receivers. Obviously, Devontae Adams is a stud, and Rodgers said he was the best that he's ever played with. But you look at Alan Lazard and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and the, the running backs have been good, but the offensive line has been patchwork, and They've had a lot of injury problems. Bakhtiari's been out most of the year, and defensively, they've they've been solid. But Rodgers makes that team go. If you have Jordan Love at quarterback, the Packers are not. They don't have the best record in the NFC. So I think hands down, Rodgers is, in my mind, as a Bears fan watching him year after year, he's at minimum a top five quarterback ever. He's. You look at his numbers throughout his career. You talk about Big Ben and consistency. Rodgers has been been that, but incredible. Like his numbers have been incredible and consistent. So, I think that again, on field, obviously, I I think personal life should have nothing to do. If they commit a crime, that's one thing. Um, so that can play into you wouldn't vote for an MVP that was accused of or it seemed that he did something terrible. But in this case, you know, we all know about Rogers' family dynamic and some of the other criticisms that have come off about his personality seeming aloof or arrogant. But I don't think in this case you can you can take the outside factors like Mr. Arkish did and apologized for and say that he's not the MVP. That that would be totally wrong not to vote. Here's just a here's just a thought. Let let's say he had tested positive and had to miss a game. Mm-hmm. So he's still still got the great numbers, but maybe he he played sixteen out of eighteen games because a failed COVID test kept him mm-hmm. out. Would that have impacted your opinion or do you think that's irrelevant? I don't know. I mean it depends on if someone had a season that was better that was an eighteen game season. If you're asking me, does the COVID thing have an impact on what should be, you know, a fair MVP vote? It shouldn't because the MVP vote is not for personal characteristics in terms of if it's not like a criminal thing. Um, I think it's terrible what he did. I don't I, I as someone that takes COVID very seriously think that it's inexcusable and bad to lie about your vaccine status but in terms of voting for mvp yeah that doesn't take away what he's done on and, field yeah and i'm not saying i disagree i'm just playing devil's advocate I but understand. i'm sure you guys have saw kirk cousins 
missed last week's game, uh, which which they needed to keep their slim playoffs hopes alive because he failed a test. And uh, and he's just been completely bashed, um, you know, as a selfish guy. And, you know, so unfortunately for Rodgers, it, you know, he hasn't tested positive and it hasn't impacted his status, but we saw with cousins, the, the impact that, that he's received. So Mike, so you, you, you say Rogers MVP, um, Mandel, do you agree with that? I, I think it's still to be determined because I, I was actually going to talk about Jonathan Taylor and, you know, Mike brought him up. Um, I think we might've even lost Mike in fact. So hopefully he'll, he'll hear this, but I think that if the Colts make the playoffs in the final game of the season, you've got to give it to Taylor. Um, like, there's no doubt about it that um, Taylor has basically carried the rest of the team on his back to, to get into the playoffs. I mean, um, you look at the quarterback play, Carson Wentz, he's, he's played good football, not the stellar football you would need to make it into the playoffs. So I think if you look at Taylor's ridiculous numbers and the fact that every single game that they've won, he's gotten over 100 rush yards. When he doesn't get 100 rush yards, they lose. Um, I think that, that those are the splits for this season. So um, he does this final game of the season. I, I would I would give it to him, um, but not because of anything related to to Rogers' conduct. Um, in, in fact, I think the, the real problem for me is that you even know who this guy is the, because the MVP kind of is never supposed to be about the writers. You're not supposed to know who these people are. It's supposed to be about the players, the candidates. So, you know, if this guy, Hub Arkish, had his own reservations and, you know, didn't want to vote for Rodgers, he could have kept that to himself. But, but the fact that he made a public stink about it, it makes him look bad. It, it, and it actually backfires because I think he wanted Rodgers to look bad. And, and instead it just look, looks like a bad reflection on himself because he's made himself the, uh, the issue here. Um, you know, I don't doubt that Rodgers has been absolutely incredible. Um, as Mike said, um, top five among the quarterbacks um, in in the NFL um, let led his team to clinch that first round by um, at the best record. Um, but I, I still think you know you don't know necessarily would, would they have missed the playoffs without him. Um, the couple of games where he was down, I, I want to say um, Jordan Love did play fairly well. Um, Whereas, you know, the Colts, they wouldn't have stood a chance without Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion. So, Mike, I actually agree with you 100%. And I'm very surprised that Rodgers is seen as the clear-cut MVP. To me, it has to be Jonathan Taylor. I mean, the guy has had an unbelievable season. There's no chance the Colts are in contention without him putting up the numbers that he's had. I mean, so the Colts started the season 0-3. And Taylor, you know, didn't get his traditional number of carries. He had 17, 15, and 10. And then from there, they basically started feeding him the rock. He had He's had touchdowns in 12 of his last 13 games. Uh, he's got 18 tutties on the season. Uh, fantasy football owners can certainly attest to the monster season that he's had. Uh, to me, I think if, yeah, if Indy gets in, it's got to be Jonathan Taylor. He has single-handedly turned their season around. I think people were kind of wishy-washy on on Indianapolis and you know whether Carson Wentz was going to bounce back this year and but but they've been a clearly a run first heavy team and since those first three weeks of the season when they started 0-3 they're they're one of the best teams in the league so 
I still would give the vote to, to Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, there's also something to be said about um, voters fatigue. I think we've seen this in other sports where, you know, look, in the NBA, if it was really the most valuable player, Michael Jordan would have won it 10 years in a row and then LeBron would have won it 10 years in a row. But I think over time you you try to mix it up a little bit and Rodgers won it last year and his numbers are actually down from last year and the team has the same record. So to me, um, I give it to Taylor. And just one other point I want to make here is that why is everybody so convinced that it's if you're going to give it to the quarterback, why is everybody so convinced that it's Rodgers over Brady? Um, the numbers are pretty comparable. Actually, Brady's got a thousand more passing yards than Rodgers. Uh, Brady's 40 TDs, 12 interceptions. Rodgers is 35 and four. So Brady's Brady's got him beat on touchdowns too. So to me, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I, I would even consider putting Brady over, over Rodgers if you're going strictly based on the numbers. Yeah, I think there. Well, we're kind of having two conversations. One is who's MVP, and two is should you not vote for Aaron Rodgers because of all the off-field issues. So, on the off-field subject, I, I pretty much agree with Weil in that, you know, he misrepresented his vaccination status. He did test positive and he missed a game, and you know, in a sense, he let the team down. He lied to the oh, public. Did, oh, did he, he miss did. a game? Again? He oh, did. Okay. Yeah, Jordan Love started, and Mandel mentioned he played okay. I think he threw for 190 yards, but there was obviously a clear difference between the two. And, um, you know, to me, to Wiles' point, you know, if you commit a crime, it's something different. Um, you know, I don't think he's a likable guy if you're not a Packers fan, but. You have to respect what he does on the field, and that's not a reason, in my opinion, to take away a vote. I know we've talked about the uh, MLB Hall of Fame, and there's a, you know, there's an integrity clause. That's one of the factors that the writers are supposed to take into account. So I don't think that's incorrect. I mean, it ideally, probably they'd say how much of a factor it should be, but it's kind of left up to each voter's interpretation. I believe the MVP is just who's the best player in the league, right? Or who, who's the best player? You know, well, that's the thing. Important. It's, I mean, it's I always up for interpretation. interpretation. But in no most, way do they bring yeah. up integrity. So, um, you know, the Packers are the best team, and Rodgers is the best, if not one of the best, you know, two or three quarterbacks. And quarterbacks, for whatever the reason, historically have the edge over a running back. So, uh, you know, I think you could make the argument, as Adam, you're doing, that it's not a clear-cut, you know, decision or victory for Rodgers, but... I don't think we should disqualify him just because yeah. of you know what he's doing off the field. So that, that's my mistake. I, I had forgotten that Rodgers had tested positive and missed a game. So I guess clearly that hasn't impacted other voters. Well, but, and that's um, why the numbers yeah. are a little bit, I guess, skewed against him because he. I don't think Brady missed any time. But but a thousand yards passing. No, you're right. You're it's, not going to make that substantial. So we shall see. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's he's had an incredible season. Um, I mean, the Colts are, are nowhere near where they are today with, without him. So that, that's who I'd vote for. Uh, so speaking of the Packers, they have actually locked up the, the number one seed with a game to go. So I would imagine they'll be resting most of their players or at least, you know, maybe let them play a half uh, before they get the one week off. Uh, of course, with the new playoff format this year, there's now only the number one seed gets a buy in the first round. So there really is an advantage to to locking up the number one seed. Um so look, it's going to be Green Bay as the number one seed. The NFC is going to go through Lambeau Field, and it seems like the past few years, Green Bay has been the heavy favorites, and they have not been able to get it done. Um, without revealing your your Super Bowl picks, guys, um, you know, is this is this the year that 
you know, Green Bay finally breaks through and gets back to the Super Bowl? Or do you maybe see some of these other NFC uh, horses getting in their way? I mean, there's there's always the elephant in the room when a certain quarterback is still in the league. And so I think that given the history in the previous few years, given the way the Packers are playing now and how the picture looks, yes, you logically can say that they're the best team. But in terms of saying they're the favorite, I tend to give the nod to TB12 until someone knocks him off his perch because the playoffs, he doesn't care if he goes into Lambeau Field in the middle of January. He just wants to get back to another Super Bowl to add to his legacy as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I think there's extra motivation for both of these quarterbacks because can you imagine, would it be a Packers-Bucks NFC Championship the way things stack up now uh i think tampa is the three seed so right no, so i don't think so he would no, get him so in... it, it would be because one would play four and two would play three. Oh, right 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 yes 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 I'm so so it would be so imagine again brady had that run where he played breeze and rogers and hmm. you know he's gonna see him again in taylor the heineke once. don't forget taylor heineke right taylor Taylor Heineke gave him the best game. Best of the bunch. Yeah. So so that's that's to not beat around the bush. That's what I think that until Rodgers can beat Brady, which objectively he's better than Brady right now, but there's just something about Tom Brady in the playoffs that in my mind you can't say don't count the Bucks as anything other than the favorite until proven otherwise. And Ian, your your team is one of those who has beaten Rodgers in Lambeau in the playoffs when, despite being heavy underdog. So does this Green Bay team feel a little bit different to you, or is Rodgers going to have to prove everybody wrong here? I thought you were going to say my team uh, poses a threat to the Packers. Not this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this year no. Uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, we'll talk about the AFC in a second, which is a lot more muddled, but I, I feel like with Green Bay as the heavy favorite, that often doesn't bode well for teams in, in really any sport where, you know, you're kind of, uh, they think they're going to walk their way into the, the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I think the Packers offense is great. Their defense, I think is a little bit more potentially porous and uh, you know, they allow, I think the eighth most points per game, uh, so, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be the Green Bay defense has been much improved this year. Well, maybe in the last few games, but as in a, fantasy. over the season <laughs> in fantasy, they got yeah. a lot of fantasy. Well, I feel like they've been playing a you know, worse opponent. So I, I think um, if the if there's a team that's going to knock them off, it'll be the Bucks. Uh, I know uh, based off our baseball picks, we'll all be wrong. and It'll end up the uh, what Dallas and. Arizona or something like that. But, uh, you know, I don't see Dallas getting far and, and, uh, the Rams, I don't have confidence in either. So I think it will come down to the bucks in, uh, Lambo. And yeah, I mean, you know, Brady is now a, a warm weather guy, but for many years he was playing in uh, the cold Foxborough Gillette stadium. So I don't think that'll be too much of a challenge. So, um, you know, I'd give the slight edge to the to the Bucks at this point, um, but it it should be if we get there, that'll be a great game. I, I think it's it's as we've been saying throughout the season that this is one year where there there is no clear overwhelming favorite um, to to win the Super Bowl, and I, I think that's still the case. Like if if you wanted to give a slight edge to the Packers, um, given how strong they finished out the season, the fact that they are getting that key first round buy and top seed, I think you you can argue that, but. 
I don't think they're anything close to the overwhelming favorite. They've got a lot of competition coming up. Um, they had the Bucks, the Rams, the Cardinals. Um, I, I think all three of those teams are capable of knocking them off. Um, I want to say that the Packers did get to play against the Rams and Cardinals and, and beat them both in a close matchup earlier this season. But I actually think it's going to be a pretty fun, competitive um, playoff season for the NFC. Oh, it's going to be great. I mean, the Cardinals look like the team to beat for a while, but they're so inconsistent now it's hard to know. But they could they could go on a run again too. And the way that the Rams played early in the year also, like you never know. The question is, and it's interesting, Tampa, Arizona, and L.A., everyone says it, they're all warm-weather teams. So I don't know how – I mean, Stafford played in the NFC North his whole career until this year, so I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor for him. But you never know how Lambo's going to affect certain teams in January. Yeah, to me, Green Bay is the most talented and, and healthy uh, – because they're healthy team uh, in the NFC. I mean, I, normally it would probably be Tampa, but they've, they've dealt with a lot of injuries and losing Antonio Brown. Um but look, Green Bay has has really underperformed. I mean, it's hard to ignore their recent playoff history. And I think, to me, last year, I, I felt the same way, that they were so good in the regular season. And I, I think I did pick Tampa Bay to beat them. But I think the way that they lost, I remember saying to myself at the time, I will not pick Green Bay next year if they are back in this game. I don't care what the record is. I won't pick them. So to me... They've got a lot to prove here, and I know Rodgers also has a foot injury he's been dealing with. I don't know if that worsens with cold weather, but clearly, uh, you know, big underdogs have not had an issue going into Lambeau Field and and beating Green Bay, um, you know, in, in playoff games. So uh, the home field advantage, while while it's nice, uh, hasn't been a, a difference maker for them in years past. And even two years ago, I think um, they were they were on the road, but I remember they got blown out. By San Francisco in the um, in the conference championship game, a, a team that I thought that they should have beaten. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think I think the NFC is going to be really exciting because of the number of quality quality teams that are in there. But um, you know, Green Bay's running out of excuses. You know, if if they're going to win it, this is certainly the year to do so. So we'll see what happens. Uh, again, we will we'll do our Super Bowl picks next week, but uh, we can talk real quickly about the AFC. Uh, I definitely remember we had a show a few months ago talking about whether the Chiefs had dug themselves too deep a hole uh, to, to make it to the playoffs. They're now in. Um, they, they just got knocked out of the one seed, but it looks like they'll be the number two or the number three team. Um, but the AFC is is very much up for grabs. But heading into the last week of the season, is there a, a team that stands out to you maybe not necessarily to to win the super bowl but a team you're most looking forward to watching as we go into the playoffs so for me it's clearly the titans because the titans they were basically at the top of that conference throughout the first part of the season until derrick henry went down and i actually think that if he he didn't he'd be in that mvp conversation with jonathan taylor now they're getting him back and even while losing henry to tennessee has basically guaranteed themselves i think the one or the two seed um and we'll see what happens with, with the final game of the season. Going into the playoffs, they're still going to have a, a high seed. So um, I am impressed with the Chiefs and the way they, they really turned around their defense um, from the rough start. I think they've made a great run, but I'm very intrigued by the Titans and um, what, what an already 
solid team is going to be with with Derrick Henry coming back into the mix. Ian, is there yeah, a team you're excited about? I was going to say the Titans too. I, the other one that that stands out for me is a team. Probably last we talked, they were at the top or close to the top of the conference. Is the Patriots, who were riding high for a few weeks and and have had a, a bad month or so. But I think just seeing Mac Jones as a rookie in the playoffs will be very interesting to watch. It, it seems like right now they're uh, they might face Buffalo in the first round, and I think that game would be at Buffalo if things stand. So mm-hmm. they'll have a, a very tough and interesting test in the first round. But just seeing Belichick back in the playoffs with a new rookie quarterback is something that I'd want to check out for sure. You guys took both of my my, my top two, but I think if I was going with a third... I, so, like, the Bills last year would have been the team I would say I'm excited to watch. Can Mike, they get a... Mike, are you going to like mention all the teams now? And you're going to yes. not going to leave me with any. I, I think I there's am. a clear third. I, yes, I, there's I, one I I'm thinking say, of. Okay. There's one I'm dying so to mention. I'm, I will stop with the Bills if you want to talk about that. <laughs> no, go ahead. Not go the ahead. Team I want to talk about. Um, I want to uh, the Bengals. Joe Burrow. Yes. Go, yeah. Sorry, Adam. That's Joe okay. Burrow in the playoffs. He looks awesome. He's he's been tearing it up the last couple of weeks, and I, I want to see the LSU connection, the the Bayou Bengals to the Cincinnati Bengals, how far they can go in the playoffs. Because Jamar Chase broke all, fa- I think he had what like a top three fantasy game all time last week, 255 yards, four touchdowns, like insanity. So I'm I'm excited to watch the Bengals. I I think that they're an up and coming team, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Adam, you have four teams yeah. left that you can choose yeah. from. No, no, no. Well, I, I was gonna say the Bengals. I mean, I they're they're not gonna make the Super Bowl, but the Bengals are are box office. I mean, they are fun to watch, and I think the Bengals are a blueprint of, you know, how you can quickly rebuild the franchise. I mean, you've seen teams that spend decades trying to trying to build it up the right way. Let's not forget the Bengals got Joe Burrow because they had the worst record in football. And here we are three years later, and they're the the number three seed. They just beat Kansas City. Um, and they're awesome to watch. So I mean, that's that's a great story. Uh Burrow uh seems like he's a he's a can't miss QB. And look, you have to love that they drafted a quarterback and they've done everything to support him. They've drafted offensive line. The next year, they draft his college buddy in Jamar Chase uh, to give him a weapon to work with. I think, I mean, that's that's how you build it up. I mean, I have to relate it back to the Jets, but they draft Sam Darnold, and then they give him nothing to work with. And so three years later, he's out of New York. And so the Bengals have really gotten it right. I mean, look, it helps when, when you draft a quarterback who, you know, pans out. But, um, you know, you, you put Joe Burrow uh, on the Jets or the Giants – or the Bears right now, and he's probably not the same player that he is with, with Cincinnati. So a lot of times it's it's the right fit, but you know it's also important to to make sure you're surrounding yourself with the weapons. Um, by the way, did you guys catch the end of the uh, the Bengals Chiefs game last week? I know Ian and I were texting during the game, but basically uh, the Bengals had the ball in uh, in the red zone at the end of the game, and for some reason, rather than kick a field goal with less than a minute left, they went for it on fourth down to try to score a touchdown to win the game. And they ended up getting a penalty, and they were able to wind the clock down and kick the field goal. But Joe Burrow got hurt on the play um, and actually had, they had to take him out. So to me, it was insane that they would actually uh, 
forego the chance to take the lead on Kansas City with less than two minutes to play for a chance to try to score a touchdown to, to put the game out of reach. I thought it was nuts. Yeah, I think they had seven plays like within goal, just with penalties and, and retries. I know I had fantasy implications. That's why I was watching it closely. But And I think that's something you see often in the playoffs is magnified those decisions where the teams are so evenly matched when coaches are making some interesting calls to say the least that's you know that can make a difference that's where a belichick you know he might help his team get out of the first round uh any uh, final thoughts on the afc uh, would you like me to mention the other three teams that we haven't talked <laughs> well, about kansas city uh, no one mentioned kansas city but guys the, the, the chiefs I mean, are they're back the, i mean they're, i think they're, they're, they're the, the favorite yeah. i think they're the favorite and <laughs> when the you defense. asked when you asked who is interesting to talk about i mean right that so they're the favorite but as mike just said the defense has it's like a jekyll and hyde season for them the first half of the year they were bad the second half of the year they've been awesome i don't know what happened either during the bye week or when this turned around but it's like a different team so you pair that defense with mahomes they're better than last year all right so we'll do our full uh, super bowl preview next week uh where we can put a uh, a bow on the regular season uh i do want to leave some time here for our week 18 picks the first ever week 18 in the nfl and although we have not done a show in uh in over a month we have been making our picks behind the scenes so i will humble brag uh release the standings here we do have a, a tight race for second place but uh i ha- i am leading the pack at 50 and 33 now you're killing it the two mics are tied at 41 and 42. And then Ian, I think, had a nice week. I think you were like, I think I've had my week. best two weeks of the season the last two weeks. So it maybe is now uh, 37 and 47. For respectability. So you're four games back of, of Mike and Mike. Uh, I've but tried Adam, to... you're, you're 17 over is you, you should call Stu Finer and, and tell him <laughs> to make some room for you. Cause that's... I, I've tried to add in an extra game of the week to help you guys out a little bit. But I can only do so much. But right. look, I think I think with football, you know, it takes a few weeks to figure out which of these teams are good and which of these teams are not. And so I think I've kind of, you know, and, and kind of it, it's been fun to follow your guys' teams and you know, tell I, us I, your I methods. Like I've, I feel like I've just got a beat on you know yeah, how our who's... teams are doing. And I, it, look, if we if we had to just pick all of the NFL, I think it'd be a lot harder. But I think when it's like teams that you you really focus in on, each week. yeah, it's it's a little bit easier. Um, so anyway, so let's, uh, so let's dive into the week 18 picks. And I guess if you, um, if you guys want to talk briefly about your team, I think next week we'll do like a, a season recap, uh, Mike Mandel. I mean, you've got some, some playoff football a, look forward can, to. How about can that? Can we give a shout out to the Eagle? Cause Mandel's <laughs> the only one with the team that was Yeah, in Mike, I gotta give you, I gotta give you a minute here to, uh, you made the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it, it feels good. This was a season where the team faced some very low expectations coming in. Brand new coach, a quarterback that is pretty close to being a rookie, um, a banged up offensive line, susceptible defense, all coming into the season. This was the talk of the town. And, and by the way, you have a rookie as your star wideout and possibly your lone legitimate wideout. Uh, and that, that was the talk of the town. Um, and save for their for their opener the, the next several games it seemed like it was going to be basically what people expected that they have a pretty underwhelming season not be competitive and then they finally started to run the ball when the, when the fans kept telling them to run the damn ball they finally did it and since then 
Um, I want to say, um, starting with that game where they crushed Detroit, they were maybe 6-2 and two, um, since then. And that's given them a winning record for, for the first time since they were 1-0. So I give them a lot of credit. Um, Jalen Hurts really stepped it up when he faced a ton of criticism. People saying, we've got to move on. He's clearly not the guy. Uh, Nick Sirianni has become a lot smarter over the course of the season as a coach, calling some good plays. The defense, which had been pretty disastrous to start out, they've really stepped it up. Um, and, you know, our running backs, even when Miles Sanders goes down and he's he's been injured a lot, you've got Jordan Howard, who's basically been playing in pro ball form for us, and even our other guys, Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell, we, we've got a very dominant rushing attack, it, 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 which also obviously includes Jalen Hurts himself. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to watch. As I alluded to in, in the texting, I think I'll get a total of one week of f- football more than you guys. Um, I don't expect much yeah. out of the playoffs, but the fact that they even made it is pretty remarkable. Now, when it comes to this game against Dallas, I- I'm almost certain that Dallas is going to rest their guys. They've already, We already know they're not going to get the top seed. Um I think they'd be competing for third or fourth, so I don't think it's going to be compelling enough for them to start their guys. Whereas the Eagles, you know, you would think they would rest their folks as well, but Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith are both saying they want to play. So I, I do think Coach is going to at least let them start out the game and then um, likely bench them, if not by the end of the half. If not by the end of the first quarter, at least by the end of the half. Um, but if Dallas is getting four and a half points, I'm actually going to pick the Eagles. And Mike, you, you mentioned um, uh, one thing that, that uh, we didn't mention. Not only did the Eagles make the playoffs, they clinched with a game to spare. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive that they can, you know, they're comfortable. They didn't just make the playoffs. They, they comfortably made the playoffs. And uh, I, I was going to allude to your, uh, your, your message to the group chat about how you get one week extra of football. But I think, you know, football, I mean, getting in is awesome. You get the experience of a playoff game. This is not like, the NBA, where if you get in as an eight seed, you've got virtually no chance of winning. I mean, football, anything can happen. I mean, the wild card teams don't generally win the Super Bowl, but you can certainly do some damage as, as a lower seed. Um, you know, you you know for a fact that you're not playing the, the number one seed in the first round. So, um, so yeah, I think yeah. that's great. I'm happy for you. I'm I'm excited. I'm not writing them off. I'm just saying what 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 I expect, and I'll, I'll talk about more next week. Why? Well, I think their chances are a little bit lower. Okay, so you are taking the Eagles plus four and a half. Is that right? I am. I think both okay. both teams will eventually go with their bench at some point in the game, and I think our bench is at least as good as theirs, if not better. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I will make my pick here. And th- these Week 18 games are so hard to pick because you have to see which, you know, which teams are resting players and a lot of teams with not a lot to play for. Um I'm going to take Dallas here um, just because I, I, I think Philly's going to rest players as well. So I I don't really have a, a, a strong opinion here one way or another, but I could see Dallas, you know. Um, I mean, I think Dallas is a better team. I think they'll both, you know, play some guys up front. So maybe Dallas gets out to an early lead and they cover the spread. So I'll take the Cowboys. Um, I'm going to go with you, Adam. I'm I'm gonna take the Cowboys here also. I think that I, I like Dak and and kind of their their tune up for the playoffs in Week 18 here. So 
I think Dallas gets ready and, and covers. I'll go the other way. I'll agree with Mandel. I think there's too much kind of unknown about this game and how long each uh, you know each of the teams will will play their starter. So to me, it's a little bit of a high line. So in that sense, I'll I'll take the Eagles to at least keep it closer than four and a half. Okay, so we're split there. Second game, we've got the Bears at Minnesota. Vikings are favored by five and a half. Uh, while I'll, I'll give you the floor here. I, the one thing I do want to say for you, I know you're not happy about uh, the Bears having traded their first-round pick this year to the Giants. So Ian, Ian and I will be rooting against the Bears. But I think the one positive of doing that is that I can say comfortably that you are rooting hardcore for the Bears. Like, there's no, oh, we lose for the draft pick. Like, you can comfortably, like, if anything, you want them to win so that the draft pick is worse that you gave up. So, I, as a Jet fan, I've been conflicted for many years. It feels like I'm, I'm always rooting against them at the end to try to get the better draft picks. But for you, I mean, at least you can you can root for your team and, and not feel guilty about it. Well, here's the thing. First of all, thank God this is over. Um, <laughs> that's That's what I'll start by saying. Second of all... Given the McCaskies, um, the Bears have won two games in a row going into this game, and if they win a third game in a row, will the McCaskies be like, hmm, we ended the season on a winning streak. I don't think so. So maybe Matt Nagy should keep his job. I don't think so either, but you never know. Plus, Justin Fields isn't going to play. You're getting Dalton probably or Foles, who both want to win. Um, I I am gonna root for the Bears because I don't like the Vikings as a division rival, but I I just want this season to be over more than anything. I want Justin Fields to have a coach that knows how to coach him, and that is competent because as nice as Nagy is, he's completely overmatched. And I think Ryan Pace needs to go too. And I'm looking forward to a new era. So that being said, the last game of hopefully the last game of this era of what seems so promising when Matt Nagy started in one coach of the year to now I like the Vikings to cover. I think the Vikings are going to beat us. Our offense is pretty incompetent, even though we had a good game against Seattle. I like the Vikings minus five and a half here. Um, I thought you were going to say since you had a good game against the giants, but you were <laughs> smart enough not to say that. Yeah. Um, I, I tend not to look at, results against Mike Glennon is any indicator of success. Yeah. Against a, a franchise that's currently more embarrassing than the bears. Uh, I've won agree... several super bowls though. Of so. course over the last 20 years, it's a better organization, but the last five, not, not as much. Um, I'll, I'll agree with Mike. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the bears go going on the road and keeping this one close. I know the Vikings, I don't believe as I have anything to play for either, but better team, um, I see them winning by, you know, at least a touchdown here. Yeah, I've got to concur. Um, the Viking season has been up and down, but overall they're still a, a somewhat solid team. Um, I think Bears have great potential, but um, I think a lot of the season they, they, they struggled a bit. So I think in Minnesota they're, they're, they're going to take it with, with the points. Uh, I think I am going to uh, go against the group here. So a chance for you guys to make up some ground here. I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, I, I think I think the, the Vikings have thrown in the towel in the season. Um, obviously, last week getting blown out. Didn't have Cousins, but, um, you know, an embarrassing effort uh, against Green Bay. 
Bears have a little bit of momentum coming into the game. I know they won't have Fields playing, but um, you know I see them playing hard. I think Minnesota probably has a new coach next year, so I I kind of see them throwing in the towel here. I'll take the Vikings. I'll take the um the, the the Bears with the five and a half points. The Bears are now the favorites because Adam picked them, so <laughs> expect the Bears win. All right. Well, in perhaps the the game of the week, we've got the the last ever game of the Washington football team. Who's, we don't uh, know though. Nick, they, it, it is a finalist. I guess that is true. We'll find out on on February second, actually, which I believe is the is the week leading up to the Super Bowl, which is kind of brilliant because they'll they'll have their moment on. It's actually a week row. before, I think. Oh, the is Super Bowl's it? later uh, uh, because of the extra week, but but yeah. uh, they travel to the Meadowlands to face the Giants. Uh, Washington is seven point favorites uh ian i have a feeling i know which direction you're you're headed in here but uh yeah i think the thing i'm most giants. curious about is how many fans are in the stands there in the meadowlands i mean i can't imagine it'll be more than half full but um no it's been a obviously a pathetic season i think joe judge is almost trying to talk his way out of being retained for a third season the way he's been acting but we can kind of gloss over that a little bit and um, you know, just everything that Wiles been saying about the Bears, it, it makes me think about the Giants this year. It's I haven't watched I, more than a minute or two of their probably three or four most recent games because it's just unwatchable. Their their team is terrible, offense, defense, um, etc. So I will take Washington. I think I picked against the Giants the last few weeks, and it's paid off. And uh, hopefully for you know ownership's sake they will realize that Gettleman should be gone you know right as soon as uh the last knee is taken and and at this point I'd like to see Judge gone as well and and start fresh with the new era as as Wiles looking for in Chicago as well but uh I'm not expecting that based on everything I've heard so far but at least the season the giant season will be over after Sunday I'm going to concur with Ian here. Um, unlike him, I, I was not wise enough. Uh, two of the last three weeks, I picked the Giants as the underdog. I was dead wrong. Um, and the third week, I, I correctly picked the Eagles when the Giants were also the underdog. So even with seven points, I've got to go with Washington. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Washington here because the Giants, as Ian said, are terrible. So um, that's all I need to say about this game. <laughs> uh, I'm I, I'm going to surprise you guys here. I, I'm actually going to pick the Giants here. I don't feel really? gr- I don't feel great about this pick, but the Giants have just been so brutally bashed in the media this past week. I think Joe Judge knows he's on the hot seat. Um, even you know, e- even though. Um, you know he's he's done everything he can to try to defend his his body of work here, but I don't know. I I, I see the Giants playing hard here in the last week. Um, you know Washington is not very good either. They've lost four in a row. Uh, my concern here is that is is that the Giants' offense has just been so pitiful. I mean they just can't score points. That I I do have concerns about them putting up enough points here. But seven point underdogs. Um, I don't know. I I don't feel great about it. But for some reason. My gut is telling me to to take the Giants. You can take here. a chance. I mean, you're up big. And did yeah, did, Judge, that... did Judge call? I didn't. I didn't watch his 11 minute rant. But did he, did he like call the fans out, telling them to boo him or something, or to show up to the game and told them to do something? I, I don't I, think so. You know, it's hard. I, people people are are 
you know, micro analyzing these these press conferences. And look, I, what do you want the guy to say? The team sucks. They they can't get anything going. I think less is more. Not I, speaking for eleven minutes. Yeah, if I, I mean, him. yeah, I you know, but the Giants to me will be one of the more interesting teams to watch this offseason because, um, you know, they'll, they'll definitely bring in a new GM. But you know, what do they do? With the head coach, uh, there's reports that Jim Harbaugh might be available. Is that someone maybe two of uh, both your teams, Mike uh, Weil and, and Ian, your teams might be interested in? Do the Giants look to trade for quarterbacks? I know we can get into all this later, but take to me, Barkley. Yeah. they'll be um, the, the Giants would be a very interesting team to watch. So I'm going to take uh, Washington. I do reserve the right to, to change my mind if we hear about. Um, you know, certain guys sitting. I, I don't. I haven't really looked to see. You know, it, it, Saquon playing or. Giants sitting receivers, but for now, I'm going to take the Giants here. Uh, so now my team, uh, Jets at Buffalo. The the Bills are 16 point favorites, which to me was a little bit surprising, given that the Jets should have beaten Tampa Bay last week. Uh, you know, the Jets have been a it's been a weird season. Um, there have been flashes of of hope at times. There's also been a lot of really frustrating games. You had Zach Wilson miss some time with injury. Uh, so it's really been hard to gauge, but I think last week's game against Tampa was definitely the most encouraging effort I've seen from them all season, both from the quarterback position and just in general, seeing some of these pieces, um, you know, what, what Zach Wilson was able to do with so many of his offensive uh, skill players out. Uh, so to me, I know the bills are, are playing for the division here, but uh, I'm going to take the jets here to, to cover at, at, uh, plus 16. I, do, I certainly don't think they'll win, but I think they'll find a way to hang around. Um, so I'll take the Jets here. Yeah, I mean, this this is a meaningful game for, for the Bills. I think they'll absolutely pound the snot out of the Jets, but I also think that they will take the opportunity to rest their, snot, their starters once they're up by a big enough score. So I, I think at the end of the day, 16 is enough where I could still pick the Jets. This is a tough one for me because I could see it going where the Bills just they, they go off because they're at home. They're playing for something. It's the Jets. But the Jets, like Adam said, have been so up and down. And a lot of times in these last weeks, the teams that have nothing to play for keep things competitive. So 16 points... I, I think I also have to go with the Jets here. So, Mandel, just to be clear, you, you have the Bills pounding the snot out of the Jets, but the Jets covering. Right. I, what, no. what I was saying is I think they're going to pound the snot out of them and Big then lead early sit and their then, starters yeah. because it'll at least give them some chance to rest. And then I think they'll the Jets will score enough to, to come back within 16. Gotcha. That's what I'm have thinking. The, okay. Have the Jets said they're playing all their starters, or we should assume they are? I imagine. I think they are. Yeah. I think yeah. They no are. reason. Well, I think they've got a lot of guys injured, but Wilson's well, yeah, the play. healthy. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little surprised how big the spread is, just because the Jets, as Adam mentioned, have been playing a lot better the last month or so, and and have been competitive, and um, you know, have been in some pretty tight games. So I'll I'll agree with you guys and also take the Jets to keep it relatively wow. close. So this, so the Jets are definitely not covering here. No. Forty to nothing. Um, well, I'm actually surprised. I uh, okay. Uh, I know recently we've been we've been doing two games of the week. Uh, I had just had Chargers at, at uh, Raiders. If you guys want to add a second one here, we can. Um, but let's start with 
let, let's start with this game. So this is the the Sunday night football game. The winner of this game advances. But to me, what is most interesting, and I would love to see this scenario play out. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. So if the Jaguars beat Indianapolis, which is a big if, um, but didn't didn't they actually beat them earlier in the year? Yeah, they, they did. One of those first three games of the year. Um, if if so, if Jacksonville beats Indianapolis, a tie between the Chargers and Raiders would get mm-hmm. both teams in. If they play to win or lose, um, you know, one of them goes home. So it makes for a very fascinating uh, scenario. I you know I don't they obviously wouldn't you know. I don't think they would tank the game. <laughs> the league would never allow something like that to happen. But, you know, the game gets in overtime and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they're they're playing for, for field position as opposed to being maybe overly aggressive. So um, for me here, uh, I, I have to take the Chargers. Uh, the, you know, the Raiders have, are a nice story. They've overcome a lot of adversity. Um, they, they're playing the game at home. So, you know, it'll, it'll certainly be a great crowd for them. But I... I I can't pick against the Chargers here, and minus three is, is um, you know, enough points for me to, to to take the Chargers comfortably. So I'll take the Chargers. I want to yeah, see. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Ian. No, I was just going to agree with Adam. I, I mean, I followed the Chargers pretty close this year because uh, I've had their quarterback and running back in fantasy, and their offense is explosive. And I don't think the Raiders' defense is going to stop them. I think it'll come down to can the Chargers defense hold up, but I think the Raiders just have a long history of, uh, you know, kind of disappointing their fans in, in games that matter most. And they've won three in a row and all the credit in the world to get to this point, everything that happened with Gruden earlier in the season and a few other off the field things. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think the Chargers will go into uh, Las Vegas and, and win by more than a field goal. I was just thinking that literally the two teams could just kneel the ball the whole game, have a have a zero zero tie, and make the playoff. Like, why would I? Know... Serious question: Do you is is something I, like that legal? Like, could they I do think that? So, like, what would, I mean, could why, there be a punishment for that? Why wouldn't you do it if if you could tie and prevent your team from having any injuries? I would watch that game. It would be hilarious. It would be just so. Then you take the Raiders. Would, first right? of all, you would not watch that game. You would I'd, stop watching I'd, after the first ten minutes. But, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know. I think I just is, don't think. I don't. Why think would it, you not? Why would you not? Because there's no rule against it. But I I think that there's also there's an integrity aspect. Like I think for that, it's not as bad as like blatantly trying to lose. But I think something like that, like you can't. You're basically not. You're actively not trying to win a football game. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that you're would trying to a lot of playoffs. Yes. But I think, I mean, that would require collusion between the two teams. Like, I think, I don't know. I mean, look, it, yes, if you want to make the playoffs, that's what you do. But I think the only scenario where the teams, where you might see them, uh, you know, be a little bit more conservative, which I'd love to see, is if that game goes to overtime. Because if, if that game goes into overtime, well, then, it's... then you, as a coach, you know for sure in the back of your mind that, like, there's no need to be overly aggressive. Like, you know, just pin them back as far back as you can go and just don't let them score because that's all that matters. Well, it's not going to happen because the Colts right. are going to be Jacksonville most right. likely. And 
I agree with you guys. I, I think if the Colts beat Jacksonville, there is something to play for. The Chargers are the better team. I love Justin Herbert. We didn't really talk about him when we were talking about interesting teams, but he's right there with Burrow in terms of exciting young quarterbacks. So I agree with you. Give me the Chargers minus three here. I suppose I'll have to be boring uh, because I agree. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with the way the Raiders had bounced back after they, they, they sunk pretty far after the John Gruden situation. They've uh, come back to win, I think, three straight. The Chargers are still the better team all around uh, throughout the season. So I think even with the points and even with it being in Vegas, I still have to go with the Chargers. And by the way, did you see this this defensive back for, for the Raiders got arrested for a DUI? I mean, can you believe that after the Henry Ruggs? situation that i mean geez yeah it's it's not been a good year in terms of criminal justice for the the raiders stupidity has no limits <laughs> all right so let's uh let's move into quick final thoughts here um ian we'll start with you so i only had one but now i have two because of the exciting end of the knicks game tonight they were down by 25 points in the wow. third quarter to the celtics at home it's been a disappointing Knicks season to start they've been under 500 and they had a buzzer beater victory a bank shot fadeaway three-pointer rj barrett at the buzzer and it was their largest comeback win since 2004 so very exciting night at the Garden. I know, while you had two of those last week in back-to-back games. Those exciting wins. But buzzer beaters are always fun. But a, a bank shot three is, is uh, doesn't happen very often. So that was my first thought. And then second thought is, is a topic that we probably could spend a whole show on, and that's um, athletes and you know how they're dealing with uh, COVID and vaccines. I think the two big names this week have been Novak Djokovic and Kyrie Irving, of course, who's come back to the to the nets and and joker who got that exemption to play in the uh, australian open by the organization uh was denied by the actual government of australia i guess he landed in australia and was not allowed to leave the airport so um you know i, I think these are obviously really uh big stories interesting stories a lot of nuance to it but at the end of the day if these guys would just get vaccinated like pretty much all their other you know colleagues compatriots this wouldn't be an issue so um, you know, just wanted to kind of bring that up and something that I wish, uh, you know, wouldn't have to be an issue, but unfortunately is. I saw a funny meme about Novak. It said, why are people so surprised about Djokovic being an anti-vaxxer? His first name is Novak. Oh, huh. <laughs> Mandel, final thought. So uh, I'll give a quick story on one of the reasons that I, I love sports so much and you know, why, why I missed it so much during the first few months of the pandemic. Um, Doc Rivers, um, he did not escape the uh, the Omicron surge. He was sidelined for a couple of games. Um, and assistant Dan Burke, at age 62, um, stepped in to, to be the head coach. Uh, the first game was in Brooklyn against the, New York, against the, um, the Brooklyn Nets. And Sixers ended up winning that game in a bit of an upset. And Dan Burke, he comes into the locker room and... The players immediately are ready to dump an entire water cooler on his head, um, which you see a lot in football. Maybe not as much in basketball, but uh, for me, it's the, the fact that this guy's 62 years old. He gets to, uh, to celebrate his first victory as a head coach ever. He, he might even be a grandfather at this point. Um, that, 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 that's what I love about the whole thing. It's, you know, the competition's amazing, but so is the camaraderie, so is the celebration. You see over a thousand games played just in a single season, 
So in the grand scheme of things, to most people, this is this one ends up being pretty meaningless. But for this guy, for, for Dan Burke, he's always going to remember this. Um, and, and the players, they, they made it all the more memorable for him. Mike? Yeah, I, um, I have a somber final thought this week that, uh, as many in the sports world heard, uh, Jeff Dickerson, who is a longtime reporter, for the Bears on ESPN Radio in Chicago, he also was a writer, passed away uh, at the age of 44. He had colon cancer. I didn't know about it until a week before he died because he was incredibly private about it. But he was an amazing person. And, and the tragedy beyond him losing his life is his wife also battled cancer and lost her life a few years ago and Jeff Dickerson was a single dad and would always talk about his son Parker. Um, and he just was an amazing person. Like you, you heard it was the day that John Madden passed away too. Um, and obviously John Madden got a lot of the national headlines and he lived an amazing life, but Jeff Dickerson to a lot of Chicago football fans was that guy that you went to for just straight talk about the bears. He didn't sugarcoat things. Um, but he always was just a wonderful person to his colleagues. You could hear on the radio how much his colleagues respected him and liked him. And the day he died, um, they when when it was announced, the rest of the day on ESPN 1000, they, they did a tribute to him. And then the day after, they cut out all the national shows and, and just had a basically a 24-hour tribute to Jeff Dickerson. So he was an amazing person, a really nice guy, and I'll miss hearing him. It's it's really crazy to me that he's gone because he was really for the last 15 or so years the guy that I would turn most to to, to get objective news from from the the source. Like really, if a player said something, he would report it unvarnished and other reporters didn't do that. So, um, rest in peace. I, I feel terrible that that uh, you know his colleagues were very upset. Obviously, a lot of the listeners were upset, but he lived an amazing life and in a short time made a big impact. So, also they, there was a GoFundMe for his son Parker, and it it raised the goal was a hundred thousand dollars, and it raised over a million dollars. So that that shows the impact that that he had on his colleagues that so many people wanted to to help in the wake of his death. So I know that was a little bit somber and a little long, but rest in peace, Jeff Dickerson. And uh, I'll miss, I'll miss hearing him a lot. Yeah. It's a tough one to follow, man. Uh, well, my final thought will be a little bit more uh, uh, positive if you're a Mets fan. So I know this is not so recent news anymore, but they did hire a manager in the last month. Uh, they made in my mind, the right decision in hiring Buck Showalter. I think a lot of times, you know, teams tend to overthink things and they try to get cute and find the next uh, super analytical whiz and whatever. But Buck Showalter, um, you know, has made every team out there better that he's been to. Um, hasn't won a World Series, but he's certainly helped build the foundation for a lot of different franchises. Um, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. Uh, but I think the main thing you hear a lot in sports about changing the culture. Uh, and to me, that is the exact reason why they needed to hire him. They could not afford to take a risk on 
uh, hiring an inexperienced manager and then, you know, you're playing the games out and you have to worry, okay, is he going to know, um, you know, which reliever to bring in or, you know, how to use the bullpen or I, I was going to say double switching, but that won't be a thing next year in the national league. Um, so to me, I'm very excited about the hire. I think it's, he's the exact, uh, type of manager that they needed. And now it'll be on the players to get it done on the field. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that they won't have to worry about the manager, you know, pushing the right buttons. Cause I, I trust him a lot and I know he's done a great job everywhere he's been. So that'll do it for another edition of the Sports Cafe. I'm sure we'll be back next week to do our Super Bowl preview and, and regular season wrap-up. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and um, we'll talk to you next week. So from Ian, Mike, and Mike, my name is Adam. Peace. I'm out of here.